Revelation 3, beginning with verse 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I would spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourselves, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And here ends the reading. You may be seated. Today we continue with an emphasis on prayer. I truly believe with all of my heart that when the church of God gets on her knees or on our knees, when the church gets down, then we will be able to rise up uh, to be the people that God has called us to be. So last week we learned a little bit about the nature of God. It was Trinity Sunday and we learned that God is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we continue to talk about God's nature and we will talk about God's nature as we talk about prayer because if we are going to talk about prayer, we need to understand and come to an under, a deeper understanding of who God is and the nature of who God is. So we're gonna talk about theology uh, or the study of God. That's really what theology is. It is the study of God. So as we learn about prayer, we will also learn about the God to whom we pray to. There is no prayer without theology, a proper understanding of God. Everyone who prays has a theology. Even those who never pray have a theology. Everyone's a theologian. Everybody believes something about God or gods or spirits or some divine universal force. Even if a person doesn't believe in spiritual things, if they're atheists, yes, they are theologians because they have a view. They have a view about God. They have an opinion about God. They say there is no God. And that very statement, there is no God, is a theological statement. It's actually a very deep and complex theology that informs every area of their lives. So everyone is a theologian. The question is, is your theology true or is it false? So what is our theology regarding prayer? It starts with God. God takes the initiative in prayer. 
So what is this God like? The starting point of our teaching on prayer today takes us to Revelation. Revelation 3.20. Many of you are familiar with this verse. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I, that is Jesus, stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. What does this teach us about God? Revelation 3.20, if we had tables and we were sitting as groups, I would have each of you stop and discuss right now, what does this verse teach us about God? Think about it. What does this verse teach us about God? Well, we believe that God desires friendship with us. He desires friendship with us. God desires to enter into friendship with you. That's what Revelation 3.20 is teaching. He stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. He desires to enter in and to eat with you. And that eating is a picture of intimate friendship. That's what prayer is. It's Jesus knocking. It's us opening the door and letting him into our heart so that we can grow in friendship with God. But we don't start from this point. We don't start from the point of hearing with our heart the knocking of the Savior. We don't hear it. That's not our default position. Nor is is the door of our heart unlocked and open to the Savior. That's not our default position. To have ears that hear Not auditory hearing, but hearing with the heart. But he is knocking. So I ask you this question, do you hear him knocking at the door of your heart? Do you hear? Not with your ears, but with your heart, do you hear him? Lutheran theologian, the Lutheran theologian O'Hallisby in his classic book on prayer, how many of you have read that book on prayer before? If you haven't, that's a good one to get. He writes this, I doubt that I know, speaking of Revelation 3.20, I doubt that I know of a passage in the whole Bible which throws greater light upon prayer than this one does, that he stands at the door of our hearts and he knocks. If any man hears and opens, that he will come in. He says, it seems to me, this verse seems to me the key which opens the door into the holy and blessed realm of prayer. To pray, to pray, is to let Jesus come into our hearts. That's what prayer is. To let him enter into our hearts. So I ask you this, have you let Jesus into your heart? Have you let Jesus into your heart? Some would say, yeah, years ago, years ago I let him into my heart. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the first time you let him into your heart. I ask you this today, have you let Jesus into your heart today? Have you opened the door of your heart today to let him in, to build that relationship with him? You see, I need to admit that I've grown lukewarm in my relationship with Jesus. More times than I'd like to admit the door of my heart has been closed 
to Jesus. I have not let him in to that place of friendship with me. I've been to that place in my spiritual journey when I don't hear with my heart. I don't hear the gracious and merciful knocking or the voice of the Savior. I need to let Jesus into my heart, not just once, but daily. You see, Jesus wrote a letter to the church at Laodicea. Jesus desperately desired to enter into their hearts and to have friendship with the the people of that church. So before he talks about this gracious knocking in Revelation 3.20, he has something else to say. Jesus says this, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I would that you would either be cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, he says, I will spit you out of my mouth. You see, the Laodiceans, the church in Laodicea, they were neither hot nor cold. If they were hot, their hearts would already be open to Jesus. And if they were cold, They would welcome the warmth of Jesus into their hearts. But they were neither hot nor cold. They were complacent, apathetic, at that place that is very dangerous, lukewarm. And it's interesting, he would rather that they were cold. Have you ever been really cold? I remember our time living in Minnesota. Minnesota is cold. If you haven't received the news bulletin yet, it's a cold place. I remember being happy moving from Minnesota to Buffalo, New York, because Buffalo's warmer than Minnesota. I remember driving in my car. You know that LED thermometer that some car manufacturers give to you? It gives you the outside temperature as you're driving down the road. I remember one day it was so cold, it couldn't record the temperature. It just said error. That's how cold it was. And on top of that, we had an old Jeep Cherokee and the heater didn't work in it. For four years, we drove a Jeep Cherokee without a heater that didn't work. We would go to Fargo, it would be 20 below zero. Do you think we were ready for the warmth of a furnace when we got home? (laughs) You better believe it. Many are cold. That's a good place to be because they are open to the warmth of the Savior. They're ready to let him in. But the Laodiceans, they were neither hot nor cold. Why were these believers lukewarm? Why were they neither hot nor cold? Well, Jesus tells us. Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. If you have your Bibles, please open it. So important that we look at these verses because these verses really are the key to the interpretation of the whole passage. Verse 17. 
Just after saying that you are neither hot nor cold and I would spit you out of my mouth, he says this, for this reason, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Circle those three phrases, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. King James Version says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have, no, and have need of nothing. NIV says, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I love this phrase, I don't need a thing. I don't need a thing. Let those words or those phrases sink in. What does that teach us? What is that telling us? Can material wealth, can material wealth damage or even destroy our relationship with the Lord? Jesus threatened judgment like this before. At the end of the parable of the rich fool, Jesus said, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Moreover, Jesus says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now here's the thing, church. Listen to this. It's not only the rich who say, I don't need a thing. Remember, this is an attitude of the heart. You can be dirt poor and have that same lukewarm attitude that says, I don't need a thing. I don't need your Savior. Yes, our wealth is dangerous because it can cause us to trust in ourselves rather than trust in God. It can cause us to become comfortable and complacent to become numb to the reality of our deep spiritual need. The poor person will just as easily say, I don't need a thing. I don't need your Jesus. And a rich man will be brought by God to say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Because though I am rich, I am still wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So the church in Laodicea was neither hot nor cold. Jesus would that they were either cold or hot. So he said, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. They were comfortable. They felt protected by their wealth. They failed to recognize Jesus as the only one who provides security a security that they could never find in material riches. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that though you are wealthy in the worldly sense, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So have you been brought to a correct understanding of who you are in Christ? 
Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Actually, uh, who you are apart from Christ. In Christ, you are rich. But apart from Christ, you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. If you've come to the point where you understand who you are apart from Jesus, there is rich provision for you. Jesus says in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. This isn't worldly wealth. This is the wealth of Jesus and of the gospel. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve or ointment to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent. Notice that Jesus reproves and disciplines those that he loves. But he provides gold, garments, and salve. The city of Laodicea was a major banking center. It held their great quantities of gold. Laodicea was also known for, for the, the wool that it would produce of garments. So beautiful garments would come out of Laodicea. This black wool or these garments would come out of the city that were highly sought after. And not only that, it was a medical center in which medicinal ointment was manufactured to heal eye infections. Interesting. Jesus does not want the Laodiceans to trust in the massive stockpile of gold that they held, nor in the luxury of their black wool garments or in their medicinal ointments. Jesus said, Come to me for gold, pure gold. Come to me for a white garment, which will cover your shame and cover your sin. And come to me for salve that causes you to see gold, the purity of the gospel, a white garment, the gift of Christ's righteousness, and this ointment that causes you to see His word is a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. His word causes us to truly see. Basically, Jesus is saying this. In the gospel, you have everything that you need. You have everything you need. You don't need the gold. You don't need the wool garments. You don't need the medicinal ointment. Those things are not the things that really matter in this life. What truly matters is is what Jesus gives to you. And he's knocking at the door of your heart. And he says, I want to come in. And I want to be your friend. Even though you are poor, wretched, pitiful, naked, and all those things. He says, I don't care. 
He says, I know you are, you are sinful, but he says, I love you, and I died for you, and I shed my blood for you so that I can enter into your heart and so that we can be friends. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne. It is a friendship that lasts for eternity. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And hear this, and he who has an ear. Again, this is not auditory hearing. This is heart hearing. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What is prayer? What is prayer? Prayer is nothing more than opening our hearts to Jesus, letting him in, and allowing him to be your friend. To talk to him. To talk to him. Have you talked to Jesus lately? You talk to him? Is he your friend? He speaks to you. Yes, he does. He speaks to you primarily through his word. So when you go to that place of prayer, open the scriptures. Open the scriptures. Let him speak to you. Speak to him. Develop that friendship which is so sweet and so pure and so powerful. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is pure grace and mercy from Jesus Christ. Yes, we are wretched. We are pitiable. We are poor. We are blind, and yes, we are naked. But Jesus says, I want to be your friend. I desire friendship with you. So I pray that you would hear him knock. And I pray that the door would be open for him to come into your heart. How is your relationship with the Lord? How do you have it with the Lord today? To pray is to let Jesus come in. Let him in and enjoy. Enjoy the freedom of friendship with him. Speak to him. Let him speak to you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the amazing grace the amazing grace that you have provided for us in your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray now in the name of Jesus that you would open our hearts. Open our hearts to you. That we might truly understand the power. The power of this relationship. The power of prayer. That it's not us, but it is you. You are the one who took the initiative to knock. You are the one who has spoken. And Heavenly Father, you have given us faith to open the door. I pray that this would be true of each of us. That we would understand who you are. And what you have made us. And that through that friendship, we would experience and know the transforming power of you at work within us. To be a people who go, 
to be a people who go into our community as a visible expression of everything that Christ has done for us. I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would do this for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.